my heart, my mind, my body, my soul, I give to you, take Let's all bow together. Heavenly Father, at this time we humbly bow in your presence. Thank you, Father, for allowing us this day, this opportunity to meet here as thy church, to hear thy word proclaimed, to sing these songs of praises, and to approach your throne in prayer. Father, this is a prayer of thanksgiving. We're thankful for church that is here. We're thankful, Father, for this community we live in, for this great land. Father, we know that everything is in your control, so we thank you, Father, for the leaders of the world round about. We would ask that you would be with them, that your will would always be done. We're thankful, Father, that in this country we have the power and the freedoms to worship in this manner openly without fear of any kind of outside harm. We thank for Father for the leaders of this congregation. We'd ask that you would always be with them, that the decisions they would make would be prayerful decisions, that Father, that always the work that's done here would be in accordance with your will. We'd ask that you would guide each of us as we worship you. Father, we know that uh, there is many of our number and members of this community that are sick, uh, a lot less fortunate than we are, not able to be here, some in hospitals, some uh, of our members have family even awaiting death. We'd ask, Father, that you would be with all of these sick, that the means being used might restore them to their health. and. If not, Father, that they would look to you and have the power to accept whatever their fate would be. But ask also, Father, that you would be with those families, that they might turn to you and uh, seek their condolence there. Also, Father, we pray for the families that have lost loved ones today, that you would comfort them, because you are the great comforter. Father, we pray for our men and women of the armed services that, especially the ones that's serving in foreign fields, that there might be a measure of peace in this world, that they might again return to their homes or family and be in attendance at a worship such as this. Father, we'd ask that you would be with each of us. We are very blessed. We'd ask that you would continue to bless us as you see that we have need. Continue to give us the health that we might attend to our respective duties. 
We're thankful most, O oh Father, for your Son and your plan for salvation, his willingness to come to this world to live a perfect example for us, and then through his death and the shedding of his blood, that if we live in obedience to the word that is set before us, that we could have eternal life with you. Father, we know that this is not earned, we're not worthy, and it is by your grace and through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is through his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Turn to page 537. We'll sing 537 followed by 538 right next to it um, before our message tonight. If you can and are able, let's, let's stand together. Sing the first and last verse of each song. Here we are, but straying pilgrims here. Our path is often dim, but to cheer us on our journey still, we sing this wayside hymn. Yonder, over the rolling river, where the shining mansions rise, soon will be our home forever. And the smile of a blessed giver gladdens all longing eyes. Here our souls are often fearful of the pilgrims lurking foe, but the Lord is our defender and He tells us we may know. Yonder over the rolling river where the shining mansions rise, soon will be our homes forever and the smile of the blessed gladdens all our longing eyes. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, for us to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Be seated, please. 924 will be the song of encouragement. 924 if you want to mark it. All right. Um, my name is John Rogers, for those of you who do not know, and that's my wife, Lauren. Um, I got this set up where it's just a slideshow because I only took about a thousand pictures and if I did a, a PowerPoint presentation and described each one, it, we might be here till tomorrow. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, but anyway, if you want, you can just kind of watch the pictures as I talk and it'll give you an idea of um, the geography, the area, the, the children's home and, and the places where we were. Um, 
Just to give you kind of a general idea, this, this work is in Guyana, South America. Um, it took us about, I don't know, 12 hours to get down there in several different planes. Um, but this work began in about 1999, and several different congregations that uh, uh, my wife and myself have been a part of helped to build this up. Um, basically, the Brooklyn Church of Christ in Brooklyn, Arkansas, and um, the church in Truman, Arkansas, and several other ones. Basically, they started going down there and they built a children's home because um, there's a lot of homeless children. There's Basically, there's a lot of homeless people. It's very poor. Um, there's just to give you an idea of how, how bad it is, I, I took to, to get us some money for the week, I took a $100 bill to change it. And a $100 bill gets you 20,000 Guyanese dollars. you got to have a wheelbarrow to tote the money around, you know, just to, just to buy anything at all. But it's, uh, it's a very poor country, and there's a great need. There's a great need for, for missionary work, for medical mission work. But what we did was is we went on a medical mission trip, a Christian-based medical mission. So what we do is we take the, the need for, for medicine and the need for medical aid as a foot in the door for Bible studies. Um, we, we take, I don't know, this year we had three or four pharmacists, three or four nurses, um, a regular medical doctor, a PA, a physician's assistant, uh, Lauren, which is a PT, another PT, and a PTA. And we set up above the children's home um, we set up a hospital, basically, is what we do, a triage hospital. And they do an intake, and we just work them through and ask them, you know, what their, what their problems are, what's wrong, what can we do to help. And, I mean, we have a truckload of medicine, uh, every, everywhere from antibiotics to, you know, blood pressure, blood sugar. I mean, these people, they basically, they don't have any medical aid. I mean, I've seen some blood sugars that were six, 700, you know, blood pressure's 200 and up. Um, but anyway, so this, this, is, this church and this children's home is in um, Enmore, Enmore, Guyana. And um, so we set up, we did the hospital, did the triage, and we worked in. And, you know, you think, well, did we advertise? No, we really didn't advertise, but they spread word very quickly. And these people, they'll walk 10 or 12 miles to come get medical aid. So all day long. This year we saw... Um, 700 patients, is that right? So we had 700 patients come. We were there for seven days. That's 100 patients a day. Some of them may not be much wrong with them, but some of them you don't know how, you know how they're living. Um, and, and they very much need the medical aid that they got. So we had 700 patients. Out of these 700 patients, we had 108 Bible studies. Um, that's a lot. Most of all of the people there are either Hindu or Muslim. Um, very devout in their faith, very devout in what they believe, and to get them to have a Bible study with a, a you know member of the Lord's Church is a feat in and of itself because they're devoted to to their beliefs. Um, so we had 108 Bible studies. Now, just to kind of give you an idea, we take, I don't know, there's probably 38 of us that went on the whole trip, okay? So we had the medical team, we had the Bible team. And the Bible team, they did a Bible study and a vacation Bible school and a gospel meeting at two churches. And out of the seven days that we were there, we had 19 baptisms. 
and I mean, this is, you don't, I guess I can't explain it, guys. This was my first trip ever to go. I've never been to South America. I've been on many, many mission trips, but I've never been to South America. Lauren went 15 years ago uh, when she was still in high school. And let me assure you that I'm a different man than when I went. I have never been so humbled. I've never felt so wealthy. I mean, the poorest people in this country are kings and queens compared to these people. They have nothing. They live in shanties, you know, tents. They live in a shack with their animals. I mean, the horses and the cattle and the sheep and the pigs, they run wild. They have the right of way. And, you know, of course, the Hindus believe that the cattle are their ancestors, so you don't want to hit them in the car. <laughs> and believe me, they're in the middle of the road. And, uh, but anyway, so we, we had the vacation Bible school, the gospel meeting, and the uh, and the medical aid um, at Hope's Children's Home, Hope Children's Home, which is where we were, there are 37 orphans, and of these 37 orphans, the majority of them have some sort of major disability, whether it be physical or mental. There is a great need. They they need help. They need support. They need groups like us to come and help them. This this place was actually they were in such dire straits because of the psychological breakdown of the children that the government was fixing to shut it down. And um, a team of Christian psychologists from Texas came in and spent two months there just trying to help save this place because they were in such destruction from the you know being homeless and having no direction and no guidance. And so it's a it's a full time work. Um, but anyway, like I said, I come back a different man than I was when I went. I, I, I didn't want to leave. I can understand people wanting to be missionaries. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's heartwarming and it's humbling and, and it's convicting because they love the Word of God. You, you can't take enough Bibles for these people. You could take a truckload of Bibles and it would not be enough. They crave God's Word. And uh, that to me is enough, you know, that's, that to me is enough to show you that there's a need there for, for the Lord's church. Um, but anyway, I, I uh, just kind of wanted to give you all a breakdown. I appreciate Savannah did help us with this. Um, and we very much appreciate that. And there was a lot of good things done. I think to have 19 baptisms and 108 Bible studies and to plant the seed in at least 700 patients. Um, we had the Beehive Church, which was a smaller one in the Inmore Church. And we already, to tell you how good this was, we already set up another trip. We've started it. We're going to go into the jungle, actually, this next time. And... Um, that's going to be on the Brazilian border, and uh, I'll kind of keep you all informed on that. But uh, we greatly do appreciate your help, and if anybody has any questions or comments, I, this is kind of a spur-of-the-moment deal. I didn't really have a huge lesson planned on it, but I appreciate it. Lauren appreciates it, and um, if you need to ask me any questions about the Hope Children's Home or the church, just uh, let me know. Thank you. Um, you know, it's a wonderful thing when young adults in their lives, as they build their lives and are planning to put things together in their lives, working hard, and it's a wonderful thing when young people on their own decide this is going to be part of our life. And you know, there's a lot of young people that are doing this, and we are just extremely grateful for it. I had the opportunity to go to Guyana, man, it's been 20-something years ago, 30, almost 30 years ago, with uh, Sheila Jean's father. Um, Euless Henry.
Uh, we had the opportunity to baptize almost 100 people there. We'd been working with World Bible School, um, visited that congregation, I think, when they first started it. And, uh, and that's, that's incredible work. The church at Dyersburg also works with the children's home there. Um, and just as our people saw in Honduras, there's really no way that you can really appreciate how blessed you are until you go and see how most of the people in the world are living. And I would say this, and I do have a sh just a short message tonight. Aren't you glad of that? Um, I, I, I would say this. It is going to be a wonderful thing in the day of judgment when we stand before the Lord. And if the Lord asks, where did you go? What did you do? We will be able to tell the Lord where we went and what we did. And the elders of this church, the members of this church who have given to help people, to have the gospel preached to them as well as seeing to their needs. It would be wonderful if we had the power that Jesus had to heal people instantly on the spot. But that doesn't stop us from doing that. And uh, just grateful. It's not really safe a lot of times to be in these countries at various places and times. And yet, uh, because this is our commission. But we thank John and Lauren. We're grateful for young people who uh, are making those choices. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. I just want to talk for a moment about the misunderstood commission. Numbers 13, and if you look at verses 1 down through 8, you're going to find these names and see if you know who they are. Shamua, Saphat, Egal, Palti, Gadiel, Gadai, Amiel, Sether, um, Nabai, Guel. You wouldn't know who those were, but if I add two more names to it, you know exactly who they are. If I add Joshua and Caleb, who are these guys? The 12 spies. These are the 12 spies that were sent out to, to spy out the promised land. Now the setting of this story is after the exodus when God has, has, has performed the plagues through Moses on Egypt and they have come out and now they're, they're on their way. They've gone and received the, 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 the word of God and now they're on their way um, to the promised land and they're across the Jordan River and it's time for them to go into Jericho, take Jericho, and go into the promised land the first time. And notice, if you will, Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I give to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Now, we could stop here and talk for a long time about leadership. These people have been slaves. They've been slaves for 400 years. What kind of leaders can you have when you're slaves? I don't know. But I do know this is a troubling thing. But when they looked over the tribes of Israel, they chose what they considered to be the best man, and they sent them out. And notice, he says, send them to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Now notice, if you will, verses 17 through 20, and you'll find that Moses also gives them this commission. He says, go up into the Negev, go up into the hill country, and see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or are strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. And notice the last thing that he said to them. 
Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, it's interesting as Moses was sending out these spies to note that the commissioning of the spies, the issue is never whether or not we can take this land. That is not the issue. They're not sending them out to come back and give a report and say, well, you know, I think we can take them. You know, it's kind of like on TV when some big guy walks in and guys looking around and said, yeah, we can take him. Well, that wasn't the plan here. God is not asking them for a judgment as to whether or not they think they can take it. He's already demonstrated to them and, and allowed them to come out of the most powerful nation on this earth with the greatest army on, the, on this earth and reduce them to rubble in their presence. So they know well already what God can do. So the issue is not whether or not they'll be able to do it. Now, it, you know, the failure of these of the Israelites to take the promised land then becomes great. They come back and they failed. And notice, if you will, in verse 27, this is what they say. At the end of verse 25, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron, all the people in the wilderness of Pera at Kadesh, brought them back word and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. Yet the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. These are giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But notice, Caleb sees where this is going right away. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought to the people of Israel an evil report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great statue. And, and then he ends with this thought. These people end with this thought. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. And guess what? The next verse, chapter 14, verse 1 says, And all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And then they desired to go back and be slaves rather than to trust God and enter the promised land. Now I want you to notice, number one, the ten spies failed not because they reported strong people in fortified cities in the land. I mean, they weren't supposed to come back and tell a lie. They were supposed to come back and tell the truth. Man, they're strong cities. Wow, they're fortified. Wow, they're powerful. You see, they, 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 they needed to bring that report because God was going to give them an incredibly great deliverance. Now, when the walls of Jericho fell down, that's a whole generation from now, guys. But those walls could have come down 40 years earlier if the Israelites would just have had faith in God. Their failure was in what they said. We are not strong enough and we can't do it. You see, the issue had never been Israel's strength. The issue was God's strength and what could be accomplished by faith. And God had already given them constant encouragements and let them see the power that he had. Now, turn with me, if you will, for a moment to the, to the book of Matthew. Notice, if you will, 
Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He has demonstrated the power that he has over the living and the dead. I mean, how, what, how are you going to stop somebody that you can't kill him? We, our kids watch these movies about these so-called superhumans that you can't kill. You can't kill Jesus. You can kill him, you can bury him, and he will walk out of that grave again. And so the disciples, you see, should have all the courage that they will ever need in their lives. Before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gives this great commission to them, verse 16. Now, uh, Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... And heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I would suggest to you that we have a great commission. Amen? I mean, it's, it's an incredible task, is it not? But notice again, when Jesus sent his disciples on this commission, you know, it, it, it was about them going into the world, making disciples, baptizing, and teach, teaching. It would be a failure for us to say, we are not strong enough, we can't do it. I mean, somebody said, we're not strong enough, we can't do it. It's not about our strength, is it? It's not about what we can do. When it comes to taking the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's about God's strength and what can be accomplished by faith. And so when we study God's word, and when we see these examples, it needs to remind us the same thing. This commission, the commission that they had to go in and take the promised land that God would deliver them, came with a promise too. That they would have houses to live in and farms and animals and everything that God would just simply give to them if they would just do what he told them to do. It's not our decision to judge whether or not we are able to do it because we would never be able to take the gospel to Jesus Christ. It is simply our responsibility to go. You know, it's, it's not about whether or not you can convince your neighbor to become a Christian. It's your responsibility to talk to him and tell him about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to be his decision and it's going to be God's plan as to whether or not they will ever decide to obey the gospel. But as long as we look at our commission like the Israelites did, we will be doomed to failure. But when we look at it, just like John and Lauren have done and several have done, to go and do whatever you can do, trusting that God has the power to see that the mission is fulfilled, then we will do exactly what God has asked us to do. It just seems to me sometimes that our commission is misunderstood. Don't you think so? I mean, the commission to be a good husband, to be a good wife, commission to be a good parent. A lot of times there's people that misunderstand what God has commissioned us to do. It's our responsibility to do what God has told us to do and then to trust on him to come through. Listen, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for all the efforts that you have been involved in in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to have faith in our Savior, faith in our God, and let's continue to take the word to those who are around us. This week, 
and then everywhere that we can go with the gospel. If you're subject to the invitation of Jesus Christ tonight, it's open for you. And it doesn't matter whether, where country you're in, what condition you're in, if you believe that Christ is the Son of God and you're willing to turn your life over to Him and then culminating in your uh, allowing yourself to be immersed in water for the remission of your sins, every sin you have ever committed will be forgiven by the power of the blood of Jesus. If you've been unfaithful to the Lord, all He wants is you back home with Him. Whatever your needs might be, if you need to come, won't you come while we stand? Thank you, John, for that message. We've got to get you up here more often. Okay, the Boy Scouts, right? Jim's illustration this morning that had us all laughing is is up front. He may have a few in the back too. Um, if you haven't got a chance to meet John and Lauren Rogers, they're incredible people. Uh, they placed membership a few months ago, but they help out with the youth program, and they're just great people. It would be a good chance to get to, to meet them. If you did not get a chance to take care, to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, it's been left prepared to my right and your left. And uh, you can do that as we sing 718. We'll be closed with this tonight. We shall assemble. 718. I want to remind you that uh, the summer is flying by. Our summer intern has been here almost nine weeks, I believe. Um, his neck. This is his last full week. Is that right? Next Sunday night, we're doing a finger food fellowship for Tyler. We'll make sure that you're there. He's been really good for us this summer. Exceptional young man. I want to be be sure to pray for him for the rest of the summer. We will have a money tree. 
I told him he goes to Christian school. I know how much that costs. But we, we, he's, been, he's been great this summer, and I, we really appreciate him. Whoever's closing us out tonight, let's remember BJ. There's a lot of people that we need to be on our minds and prayers. I'm sorry. I, I failed to make this announcement. I visited her in the hospital. Pat Oakley's mother, Joyce Knight, is in room 257 with a broken foot. She has several health problems also, but just want you to know that she's there. All right, we'll close with 718 before we dismiss, dismiss in prayer. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne with humble hearts into His presence. We bring an offering of song. Glory and honor To the King, oh hallelujah, hallelujah. We sing the song of the redeemed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for this day that You've given us. Thank You for allowing us to be Your people and to be able to come together and to be able to worship You today. Lord, let everything that we've done today be acceptable and pleasing to You. Please be with us as we go out through the rest of this week. God, guard and direct us. Give us wisdom, faith, courage, and strength. I ask that You be with Mr. BJ right now and let him get better and heal him and let him get back to his normal day and normal walk of life. Love you and thank you most for all for the sacrifice of Your Son. It's His holy name I do pray. Amen.